0: Welcome back to Faith Fruits, to our podcast, and welcome back to our series as we look at uh, the book of One Chronicles Together. Um, the idea now is to start working our through, uh, our way through uh, One Chronicles, and then through Two Chronicles as well, seeing so both books working together. Um, Last week we, we had uh, an introduction to why look at a book like 1 Chronicles, why why study something from the Old Testament, why this specific book that gave us an introduction to uh, 1 and 2 Chronicles, where they fit into the Bible, what their purpose is, uh, how they're functioning. And we'll actually get a bit more of a feel of that as we, we delve into the book this week. Um uh, we're going to look at the first nine chapters. And if you haven't had opportunity to, yet yeah, what I'd encourage you to do is to uh, pause the talk, uh, open your Bible, and read through those first nine chapters. Uh, now you might find it uh, a little bit off-putting at first because uh, what you will be struck with is these long lists of names. What we have here is a a set of genealogies, the the family trees of different people at different stages in early history. Very similar to what you would find uh, both at the beginning, very early on in the book of Genesis, and then at intervals through Genesis. And also very similar to how Matthew starts his gospel. Uh, And before we're tempted to overlook and to skip these lists it's worth remembering that this is a feature that punctuates scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, uh, which suggests that there is something intentional about it. Uh, The Bible writers are interested in two questions. Uh, What are the roots? Uh, Where did we come from? And what became of? So uh, As we sit from our perspective here, we're looking back and saying, uh, what has made us who we are today? Uh, This would be one of the questions that the people who were back in the land after exile would have been asking. uh, What was it that made them God's people? Uh, A people that had experienced exile, that had experienced devastating defeat, that were now back in their own country... But we're still living under foreign rule, and we're looking at a land that had been devastated by conquest uh, that had been allowed to deteriorate. A land where they'd attempted to start rebuilding their cities, uh, to rebuild Jerusalem, and to rebuild the temple. And yet, those attempts to rebuild and renew uh, seem to be a pathetic, poor imitation of. Uh, What they remembered or had heard of the past glory days. Uh, Those questions would have been asked in Jesus' time. Uh, What does it mean to be God's people as the Jews living under Roman rule? Where did they come from? An important question for the disciples as they followed Jesus as well. Where had Jesus come from? Where had they come from? And as we look at the Bible today, it's important that we understand our roots as well. So one of the intentions of a genealogy is to say, where have we come from? Uh, but also by giving that indication of what became of, what happened to uh, uh, Adam, what happened to Abraham, what happened to David and their descendants, we're beginning to see where the story is going, the trajectory, if you like. So these family trees, as well as showing us our roots, they also show us where we are going. And one of the ways that they do that is by showing where the line continues and the trajectory that it follows. What is the main line or the the trunk of the tree, if you like? And where are the branches that branch out And may seem to go somewhere, but end up uh, going nowhere, end up being cul-de-sacs. So as well as seeing uh, what became of the the direction of travel, where, where things are going, we also see where they are not going as well. And there are things to learn there as well. So... Chapter one to nine is important as it gives us that backstory that is going to get us up to the arrival of the kings and particularly of King David and what to him. I'll be more detail about that. Uh, but we have uh, the roots and branches of God's people, uh, God's people Judah. Uh, This begins with uh, chapter one, with uh, what we might describe as um, prehistory in the patriarchs. So before we really get into um, what people tend to think of as, as history, going back beyond where historians have been able to delve. But God was there, and God was ensuring that his story was being recorded. So we're going back into the events of Genesis in chapter one. And so uh, chapter 1, verse 1 to 4 gives us the family line of Adam to Noah. uh, And then uh, things branch out from there. So we have got Japheth's um, Japheth's descendants, verse 5 to 7. Ham's descendants, verse 8 to 13. Shem's descendants, verse 17 to 24. And that takes us down to one of the descendants of Shem, Abraham. Uh, Abraham... Uh, As descendants are then listed out, fleshed out, verse 28 to 33, what happened to him. It's that he had children, including Ishmael and Isaac. And then we're told about what happened to Isaac and his family, verse 33 to 37. He has two sons, Esau and Jacob. And Esau's family tree is listed out in verse 38 through to verse 50. You'll notice a couple of things as you read chapter one. Uh, First of all, the narrative seems very bare. It is just the family trees, and so we cover the equivalent of most of the book of Genesis just in a single chapter. But despite it being sparse and concise, it actually tells us quite a lot. So here are a couple of things for you to spot. First of all, notice that the writer here is only really concerned with Seth's line. Uh, Notice uh, that um, he doesn't bother to tell us about Cain and his descendants. That's given to us back in Genesis 4, but it's not repeated uh, or developed here. Cain gets no attention because, in fact, his family tree dies out with the flood. That There is uh, nothing of Cain within uh, the family history of Judah. The writer is really only interested in the roots of the people around in his time, those that are relevant to those people. Similarly, you will also notice uh, how the branch lines are reported first. Uh, So uh, the writer tells us about Noah, and then he takes us down the line of Japheth. that turns out to be a cul-de-sac that's not really taking us anywhere so he tells us about ham's descendants that's also a cul-de-sac that's taking us nowhere so he gets back on track what happens to shem and then we have ishmael but ishmael is also taking us down the sidetrack so back on route with um, Isaac Uh, Isaac's uh, son Esau is listed first Uh, he actually is the eldest son Again, following the line of Esau is not going to take us very far in terms of what God is doing and about God's people. So we're being told these are not the lines to go down. They're interesting. They tell us about the people around. They tell us about the other nations. They tell us something about our story. Not actually telling us about God's people and what became of God's people. So that's not a journey to pursue very far. So the line that matters is this Adam through Seth down to Noah through Shem down to Abraham. Abraham through Isaac, Isaac through Jacob, and that's how we're going to get the story. That's the line of travel that we need to go. Um, God meets Jacob and wrestles with him and changes his name to Israel. And so that's where we pick up in in chapter 2 to chapter 4, where we begin to look at Israel's line, Jacob's line under that new name. And you'll notice, as we then look at chapters 2 to 4, uh, in terms of where the detail is, uh, the writer doesn't give us the same amount of detail and attention on all of the family trees. A lot of attention is given uh, to the tribe of Judah. And chapter 3, and particularly in that chapter, to David's line, what really matters is this king, King David, and what will come through him. It's this little bit of um, narrative in the middle of this description of Judah's descendants in chapter 2 to 4. Chapter 4, verse 9 to 10, we're introduced to this guy called Jabez. Uh, let me just uh, read that. For us, if I can read it in, in my Bible. So I'm reading from the uh, Holman's Christian Standard Bible this time. So, chapter 4. 10. Jabez was more honored than his brothers. His mother named him Jabez and said, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez called out to the God of Israel, if only you would bless me, extend my border, let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will not experience pain. And God granted his request. There's a couple of things there. Notice that there is that sense of blessing coming after struggle, after pain. Uh, notice, too, uh, that there is a particular emphasis on prayer. Uh, that Jabez comes to God and prays and asks God to extend his territory to bless him, to be with him, and God answers the prayer. That's a theme that's going to go, come up through uh, through the book, that, uh, that need for dependence on God, that need for prayer. Uh, And I want to suggest that it answers a question, why is there so much focus on Judah? Why does this line turn out to be the line through which the kings will come, through which blessing will come, through which uh, there will be uh, the hope of the nations? Well, it's to do with faith and answer prayer. Jabez trusts God. He prays. And God answers. And the solution to um, the world's problems, uh, the solution to the question, where do we need to go? The solution to the question for God's people um, at the time that Chronicles is given is this, that if you're wondering what is going on around you and how to respond, well, know this. In the midst of pain and struggle, you can pray and God answers prayer. We then move on from Judah and and at greater pace with less detail, um, the writer tells us about the other tribes of Israel. Uh, Chapter 5 gives us a number of them. Reuben, Uh, verse 1 to 10, and then Gad, verse 11 to 17. Uh, The author there uh, is, at that point, particularly interested in a group of tribes that, when the people of Israel entered the Promised Land under Joshua's leadership after the Exodus, didn't cross the Jordan but stayed east of Jordan. Uh, And we find out about uh, some of them... um, uh, between verse eighteen and twenty-five, now look at verse eighteen to twenty-five, um, and you will notice that verse eighteen, um, Bible will say something like there were. So, um, um, the descendants of Reuben and Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh had forty-four thousand. 760 warriors who could serve in the army, men who carried shield and sword, drew the bow and were trained for war. There were 44,760 warriors and there's this big emphasis on their valour, their strength, their achievements, but... Verse 25, but they were unfaithful to the God of their ancestors. They prostituted themselves with the gods of the nations God had destroyed before them. So the God of Israel roused the spirit of King Put of Assyria and he took the Reubenites, thus. Aglaf of Assyria. He took the Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh into exile. He took them to Hala, Habor, Hara, and Gozans River, where they are until today. So there were these people who were strong and mighty, who did heroic deeds, but they lacked faith, they lacked faithfulness, they lacked prayer. they Fail to put their trust in God, they put their trust in their own strength, and in the reversal of what happens with Jabez, where pain leads to prayer, leads to blessing and expansion, their own achievements lead to pride, lead to idolatry, lead to stubbornness, then lead to defeat, exile and scattering and destruction so that those tribes Come to an end. Strength, valour, and a history of success in the face of unfaithfulness. And there is a crucial lesson for us. As God's people today, there is no point just looking back to our roots and branches, looking back to our achievements, looking back to what we have done, our own testimony of years gone by, uh, what our churches have achieved. If there isn't an up-to-date account of a living, prayerful, faithful, trusting relationship with God and dependence on his grace. then focuses in on the tribe of Levi. And if chapter 2 to 4 are given more attention to Judah as the kingly tribe, so chapter 6 gives us a whole lot of attention on this tribe because it's the priestly tribe. Uh, notice that in verse 49 to 50, it narrows the focus specifically down on, um, on Aaron's descendants, those that will fill the role of priest, but there are others within the tribe there are the levites that attend to uh, the care of the temple uh, the doorkeepers and there are those that offer praise to god that write and sing the worship songs of israel it's a curve verse one to five benjamin verse six to twelve Naphtali, verse 13. So verse 14 to 19. Ephraim, verse 20 to 28. Asher, verse 30 to 40. Notice a couple of things there. Issachar and Benjamin are the warrior tribes. They supply, uh, the military tribes, they supply warriors. Manasseh and Ephraim. Uh, who are Joseph's sons, so grandsons of Jacob, they become tribal heads in their own right. just that... He um, just gets this very bare mention, verse 13. And again, we've got this sense of tribes that are unfaithful and so disappear and die out. Um, Dan doesn't even get a a mention here. There are ones that are missing completely. Again, that warning. These branches can die out, that there can be wrong turns. In chapter six, uh, sorry, chapter eight, we return to Benjamin. Benjamin. Some emphasis here because... This is the tribe through whom the first king, King Saul, will come. And so his line is introduced. In uh, this look at chapter 1 to to 9, in chapter 9, verse 1 to 33, um, we move forward in history. We, We jump from Saul and his descendants to what happens when the exiles return. So we're going to come back and fill in the history, but we're going to leap forward very close to the day in which these books are being written, the, recount, the, the accounts have been put down, and learn about who comes back. The story is brought forward to the return to the land, and it shows that God does bring back his people. He brings back the significant groups mentioned. So those that where there's attention on them, they're brought back. The Benjaminites are brought back. Uh, The Levites, including the priests and musicians, are brought back. And most significantly, so too, are the tribe of Judah. So what lessons are we to learn today from those first... Nine chapters. Well, I want to encourage you to go back and ask those questions that we talked about uh, last time questions about uh, what God would have been saying to the particular people that have been written about at the time that they were under God's hand. Uh, People like the Benjaminites, people like Saul, people like. Um, Judah, people like um, the Levites. Think about what God was saying through these records, and what the uh, the writer um, of Chronicles wanted the people to hear God say through these accounts. At that point, when the books were first written. That were written in their their final form and shared with the people after the return from exile about how they apply through christ about what they're saying to us today and i want to suggest that that big theme that we're meant to get is this we look back at our roots then we can see how the words in might and strength, those family lines that go nowhere, are sometimes the firstborn, like Esau. Sometimes um, they are examples of human attempts to resolve things in our own strength, so Ishmael. But ultimately, uh, those accounts are accounts that go nowhere because they are about human strength uh, the account that goes somewhere is the account uh, that does two things first it points us to prayer to our dependence on god But more importantly, it points us to God's faithfulness. And God's faithfulness is to his covenant and his promise. So why does Judah continue? Well, Judah continues because it's through Judah that the king will come. In Jesus. Uh, Why is there so much emphasis on um, Levi? Uh, Well, because Jesus, as well as being the king... Our high priest who offers the atoning sacrifice on our behalf. So that's why they matter. That's the direction that things are headed, and that's where we need to pay our attention. This is a story of God's faithfulness calling us to faith, to trust, to obedience and to prayer.